Ride Holds is a social media and creative marketing agency owner, husband, father, DJ, global citizen, keynote speaker, and is proud to bring you the Ride Holds Show Podcast. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Ryan Hill Show podcast. Man, today, oh my, we're going, I'm going back to 1999. Um, I have an amazing guest on. Um, this gentleman I'm about to read his bio for is like a, an icon in the Canadian hip hop landscape. Um, I remember him when I was like 16 years old. I'm 35 years old now. It's it's a true testament to how long he's been in the game for. Uh, Kareem Blake, born March 27, 1975, better known as his stage name, Shaq Claire, is a Canadian rapper. He, he has helped develop Canadian hip-hop in the late 1990s as a member of the circle. Blake of Jamaican, what Guan descent, was born in Scarborough, Ontario, and East Toronto. <laughs> Starting at the age of 11, he followed in his older brother's footsteps and decided to become a rapper in 1995. He released his debut single, 21 Years on his own independent label, Knee Deep Records. In 1997, he released the EP, What It Takes, which was accompanied by a music video featuring Miss Julie Black. If you don't know Julie Black, you gotta know Julie Black. By 1998, Claire had released 11 records, including the first international releases for Socrates, Cardinal Official, Julie Black, Solitaire, Marvel, and the list goes on and on. Man, welcome to the show, my friend. Oh, thanks for having me here, man. Thanks for having me here. It's a pleasure. So tell me about just, I mean, I want to give you some context here. In 1997, this is why interviewing you for me was was so special, is that in 1997, if we, if we even go back, just so you understand kind of what our show is about, a good majority of our show listeners are business owners related to, you know, entertainment. We like to try to make sure that we, you know, give people good education with a little bit of entertainment. So we call it edutainment. But if we go back to 1997, I mean, you are the soundtrack of a lot of people's lives, man. And I don't know if you sit back and ever think about that. Uh, people experience deaths. They've experienced happy times, good times. And, you know, all a while listening to your music. My mom uh, passed away in 1997. I was 13 years old. And I remember a couple years later, I was literally, man, bawling my eyes out. And I remember I'd be dancing to your music, man. And it would actually get me in a better mood. So I, I can't give you enough respect then just, just to tell you, I hope you understand the soundtrack that you play, played in many people's lives. And I just want to thank you for that, man. Oh, man. Thanks. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's crazy sometimes because a lot of times everybody is, you know, like uh, just people in general, they're always looking forward and, you know, going, trying to get to attain their next goal and do whichever. And then sometimes when you get a chance to go and look back, you almost kind of almost forget like just some of the stuff that happened just because you're always planning for the next move and um sometimes when i look back and uh just how you you uh you stated and other people have have mentioned to me is like you know i grew up listening to your music and this that and everything and it's kind of crazy that way because you don't really realize that until you actually get a chance to look back and see the type of stuff and it the, the crazy thing is that it's almost the same with myself because when i look back at artists that you know, I grew up listening to like whether it was Mob Deep or Biggie Smalls or whoever, you know, um, someone always asks me the time they'll be like, hey, um, you ever get tired of uh, doing this song or that song because you do it over and over and over again all the time. And I'm like, well, if Biggie Smalls was still alive, I would not hesitate to go and listen to one more chance and watch him perform it live. 
So sometimes it has to get back into your head to be like, yeah, you know, it actually could be a soundtrack for some people's for some people's growing up and everything for their life. Well, and, the, and the one thing you got to understand too about yourself, man, is that again we talk a lot about entrepreneurship, we talk a lot about innovation, startups, all these things on the show. I mean, back in 1999, man, you're a legend. You were you were doing something so different years, decades before. Now it's cool to do something different. You know, everybody wants to be a, an entrepreneur. Everybody, you know, we're all on this hustle porn thing going on in life. But you actually said, man, I want to I want to I want to pursue my music. It's a you're, you're a pure creative. I mean, anybody who's a musician who loves music, who can, you know, demand a stage presence is a pure creative person. So do you ever think back like, my God, I've been doing this for so long. And, you know, just kind of thinking about the ecosystem that we're living in now. Imagine if you had Instagram, Twitter, Facebook back in 1999, mm-hmm. if it was that prevalent. You know, imagine if you had SoundCloud back then. I mean, you can be an artist essentially now and market yourself. There's no boundaries anymore. You know, it used to be the old record label execs were kind of the gatekeepers. Now, man, come on, man. You got the Justin Bieber constantly pushing out. And I think that, you know, it's something to be said about that. So how would you say looking back at your career going to the late 90s as opposed to now? What do you see as as, as far as the differences? Go? Well, when I was starting um, and that was the crazy thing is like the way that it kind of went was I remember I was uh, um, I was um, trying to go and dropping demos off at record companies and everything like that. And. And it just kind of got to a point where it was like, you know, you need to know somebody. If you don't know anybody, then usually you put the thing on their desk and then it usually goes into trash or whatever. They don't think it's important enough to go and check out. So if you didn't have an in, then that was whatever, which is why I ended up starting up Knee Deep uh, Entertainment with uh, my manager at the time, uh, D-A-Y. And the crazy thing was, is we had the Socrates Father Time record and uh, growing up, you always had to have a B-side on a record. So I was kind of getting into like being just a record guy, putting out records or whatever, but we didn't have a B-side. So I was like, okay, well, I guess I'll do the B-side, which ended up being 21 years. And then the funny thing was, is that I, and I remember listening to it, was uh, Socrates got signed to Warner Brothers from that record and other things that he did as well. But that was one of his big records back then. And uh, I remember listening to DJ X on 88.1 CKLN, the Power Move show. And somebody called in, they're like, we really like that Father Time record, but you guys really need to turn over the record and check out that 21 years joint. And I remember X saying that directly. He was like, yeah, you know what? We haven't given that other, the other track you know, as much light as whatever and started playing and it just kind of caught on. And then the weird thing was is, yeah, then now all of a sudden I'm pressing vinyl in the green caravan, driving down to New York to go and put it in all the record stores and everything. So it was an actual movement that you had to do, like shipping records. Now you just email your track to everybody and everybody gets it. But we actually had to go and press vinyl, get the jackets, put the sticker on the top Mm. of the jacket (laughs) and go and mail it out. And mailing costs were like insane, a lot of money. You would not even think how that it would cost that much. But uh, compared to now, we're like, you know, like a lot of people right now, they, you know, you, you go viral and you go and you put something on YouTube, you get it viral and it's just there and everybody has access to it. So one of the things that I really appreciate about it was putting in that type of work 
to know the work that actually goes into building yourself and building a career um, because um, there's never really any overnight success. You actually have to, and then you had to do it. Now you can go and pop, but then a lot of people pop and then disappear, you know, like when the, once the record is not hot anymore. And uh, that's one thing that I really, um, I really cherish is to know how to continue. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate your point that you're making because you're talking about longevity in the game. What do you think inside yourself at that age, that that youthfulness, where did that burning desire come in? You know, how did you even find that you I know you I know it's related to your brother and whatnot, but how did you yourself become? We talk a lot about alter egos, you know, Kareem Blake is alter ego to Shaclair. Shaclair is the alter ego to Kareem Blake. We talk a lot about how people oftentimes, if you use the Batman and Superman analogies, every one of us has a dark side inside of ourselves. And people sometimes think, oh, this dark side, this is a bad thing. I don't think it's a good, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think this is what separates people that do massive things in life and those that don't. Because when somebody can tap into that dark side, into that jelly of themselves, if they can learn how to control it, you're unstoppable, man. So for you, where did that shot Claire start coming in to Kareem? Was it as a, a little boy? Was it, where did that all start? Like, take us all the way back. Well, the weird thing was, is that uh, when I was in high school, because then that's when I actually started, uh, really started getting more confidence to go and do talent shows and whatever. The first one I ever did was in grade 10. Um, and I did one there. But what happened was, again, yeah, my brother, he was in, in I grew up in Scarborough. And so he was the guy that everybody knew as the, the rapper at that point. And uh, he kind of made, you know, I, he would always be, I was still listening to Platinum Blonde and Huey Lewis in the news. <laughs> and, you know, there was some Levert in there as well and everything like that. But I was listening to everything. But my brother would constantly be pumping Rod Nelson um, over and over. Like, it just ridiculously loud every Saturday from one to four and kind of got me into it. And then one time there was a party at uh, 3181, Markham and Eglinton. I remember that clearly. And I was just dabbling in some stuff and just whatever, just writing a little here and writing a little there. And people went and they started doing a freestyle. And then I went and did it. And someone just said, you know, you're pretty good at it. You should stick with it. So then I ended up sticking with it. And then the only thing that came with the alter ego is... I was always in the friend zone in high school. I wasn't okay. the guy getting punked at school, but I was definitely not the coolest guy on campus. There was a whole bunch, a lot of all the girls that would come from West Hill to go to Pope John Paul to go and see certain mans at school. And I was just the guy <laughs> that would always get, you know, the hug and the high five and, the, and keep going. But I always kind of had a bit more feeling. And I think that's where the whole sexual chiz knocklet chocolate day floor kind of came out because it was like well i'm more than a friend and you look good but uh i'm just your friend <laughs> so whatever <laughs> and, then just, and then i just kind of got into that and then what actually ended up happening was that it just became uh it came more of a a thing of strength for myself to go and actually be able to say what i want to say and i just did it through music and that's one of the things that i say and one of the songs is like, uh, every man speaks his own truth, but I do mine in the damn booth. And that's how it kind of 
came that way. And I just go and reflect and put out whatever I'm feeling. I'm able to go and do it through my music to go. And that's kind of like my outlet that keeps me sane. Would you say that introverted, would you say you're naturally an introverted personality or an extroverted personality? I'm probably more introverted. Like, you know, like it's crazy because I have a public life, but I like to try and be as private as possible. Like, you know, like um, I'm not into making a big spectacle unless it needs to be like, you know, if it's a big show or something like that. But on a regular, people will just see me. I'm like, you know, I'm going to find out how great this Popeye's chicken sandwich is. And I'm just walking down the road and someone can see me. You know what? The funny thing was yesterday somebody called me and I was in uh, I was in Mississauga and someone was like, yo, are you in Mississauga right now? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I think I just passed you by in the car. I was like, why didn't you stop and pick me up? <laughs> because I just like to, you know, I just like to go and just be calm. And I, I just have respect for people and I enjoy people. I'm kind of a people person. I enjoy those kind of conversations and everything. But like, uh, so I just like to be calm and cool. Like, don't, I'm not really a club guy. I'd rather go to a sports bar and talk to somebody that I'll never see again and rant and rave at why the Raptors are playing so well or the Leafs are playing so bad or whatever's going on. Never see them again, but I will have the greatest time ever. And that's kind of, I just kind of express myself through my music. Don't you think it's kind of funny that, man, back in the day, you guys, the whole Northern Touch movement, which is almost known as like a Canadian hip-hop anthem, right? I mean, you guys were pushing Toronto so hard. And look at how far Toronto's came in the world landscape now, man. I mean, NBA teams winning the NBA championship. You got artists like Drake and things like that coming out. You were you were at that, that core fabric of, of really saying, man, I'm really, really proud of Toronto. How does that make you feel to see how much the city has grown? And I can speak from a, being a fellow Canadian because I'm on the West Coast, is that every damn person in Toronto thinks that Toronto's the epicenter of Canada. So I'm here to tell you that's not how it's going down. But um, how, 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 how does that make you feel, you know? Even when I travel, you know, and I, I speak at conferences in the States or somewhere else or you go to Europe or wherever, Ryan, oh, you're from Canada. Oh, you're from Toronto. I'm, Man, there's more places in Canada than just Toronto, but you know what I <laughs> mean, right? Toronto. Yeah, like how does that make you feel though, kind of being in the the cusp of that, man, throughout the decades? Man, you know what? It was cool. The first time that I was actually kind of surprised about things was uh, like when we did Northern Touch, and there was that the piece at the very end of the song where we just yelled out T dot O dot. We just yelled it, mm. and I remember Socrates put me on to the phrase and he got it from somewhere someone else I think it was uh, uh, I'm forgetting the uh, who, who got it from but I remember hearing it from Sox and then I'm watching like uh, a sports highlight show like TSN or something like that and they started saying T-Dot and I was like now when you got you know people on TV starting to go and do that I thought that was really good. I was like, man, we're actually making headway. And then as the years went on and over and over again, I remember being in ciphers. People don't really do this anymore. They do, but they don't. Because back when we, when I was coming up, when somebody battled, it was like freestyle right off the top of your head. You know, like mm. it, you didn't have mm. two months to plan or anything like that. It was, they came to your school and they said, oh, I heard there's a rapper in the school. And they're like, okay, let's battle. So nothing. You didn't even know who the guy was. No planning. And then I remember um, uh, battling with these guys. 
and it just kind of watching people come up and they would be like, oh, bring this guy into the cypher. He's from Boston. Kind of what they were saying was he's American, so he's going to be better. Uh, and then, yeah. And it would be like, oh, you know, and then you would see people wearing Pittsburgh Pirates hats, Philadelphia Phillies, New York Yankees, to where it got to a point where if you walk around Toronto, a lot of people are just rocking Jays hats. Mm. There was like a sense of pride that was there. Like in all colors, in camouflage, blue, red, yellow, green, whatever, all these different fashions. And you started to see the pride grow in like, yeah, I'm from Toronto and there's whatever, because maybe their boy, their next door neighbor could be just as dope as somebody else. And they know that. And so you started and then you start seeing like when I go out to the East Coast and everybody out on the East Coast, it has like East Coast lifestyle. Like they're proud to say I'm Scotian, Mm. you know, like. Or people would fake American act. Like imagine Carabana every year with all these people that grew up up in North York and they were trying to sound like they're coming from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And it's crazy. But then now everybody is like really comfortable with where they are. And, and it even goes across the whole country. Like people from Van City, they'll be like, yeah, I'm from Van City or Calgary. I always beef with not beef but always have a me and my friend from calgary we always always talking about calgary oh we're calgary or we're montreal or we're east coast or we're whatever but there's a sense of pride and that is the greatest thing to see that happen because once you have pride in yourself in your city then you can have pride in the people that are coming from it and then you go and back the people and if they back your city or their country then it gives you even bigger, like the stuff that Drake's doing or the Cardinals doing and everything like that, or Tory Lanez or all these other artists. You know, if you can say, yeah, man, these guys are from Canada or they're from Toronto or they're from Mississauga or wherever they're from. And you could be like, yeah, that's yeah, that that he reps, he reps. And and you can feel you can feel satisfied by that. When you're when you're touring, because I know I'm I'm based in Edmonton and Fairmont, British Columbia. So I'm on the West Coast. When you start touring, though, and you go into your venues and stuff like that, the further out west you you come, do you feel like that hip hop, you know, clean hip hop kind of fizzles out a bit more, like not as prevalent? Or do you feel like every province has their pockets of, you know, kind of that 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 fan base, that that culture? Because I, I can speak from from myself, you know, I, I grew up out in the West. And I mean, for a long time, man. I mean, I didn't see no black folks. Like they, they were there, but it was almost like they were, they were hiding. I remember going to school, nothing like Toronto. I mean, there'd be, it'd be very normal for me to be the only black kid in in my class. And I remember my auntie and uncle moved out to Toronto, and they moved out to Malvern in Scarborough, which yeah, Malvern back in the day, ooh, right? <laughs> and I remember, yeah, I remember getting off the plane, and I was just like. I, I see my cousins and, and we we're playing ball and I'm like, my God, this is like, I've never seen so many black people. Like it was, I was so at home. It felt so good to see people that look like me, you know? And, uh, but do you feel that it, you know, Toronto, Ontario, Montreal is a precipice for it? Or do you think out West has a lot of it too, in terms of the hip hop culture? Oh, out West has a lot of it too. I remember going to, uh, I believe it was Nelson, BC. I was out in Nelson, BC. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and I was on tour with Rozelle from The Roots at the time. And I remember coming off of our, off of our tour bus and there was this waterfall and it was like this little valley. 
and there was people there breakdancing on cardboard to no music, to like the sound of the water coming off of the rocks. And the more that I go all over the places, one of the things that I really cherish about doing stuff is I, like you can definitely hit in Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, Winnipeg, Toronto, Ottawa, whatever. But when you go to like Fernie, BC, or you go to Timmy, <laughs> yeah. Ontario, or you go to yeah. Revelstoke, or you go to yeah. one of these other smaller cities, which they do appreciate hip hop a lot, but they just don't necessarily get it because they usually have to travel to the next big city that's in them to go and see, you know, yes. if, if uh, Mary J. Blige is coming to town or something like that. And then you will see that they actually do appreciate the music, the culture, the everything like that. And that was very eye-opening to me because a lot of times, if I wasn't doing this, I probably would never have been to all these different places across across Canada and definitely even across the world. Like I've been to Edinburgh, Scotland, and I'm like, looking, I'm like, oh man, this looks just like the William Wallace movie right here. Like this is Braveheart right now. Like they have, <laughs> we have, Castle, we have Castle Loma in Toronto, but they have castles on cliffs. And I'm like, who the hell built that? Obviously a bunch mm. of people that died but <laughs> but uh you know but you just see the culture and that's one of the greatest things to notice is that what me and my friends always talk about is like they say rap is something you do karis once said it actually rap is something you do hip-hop is something you live and it's great to see that the hip-hop culture is out and about in places where you wouldn't even imagine where it will be and the biggest thing for that is it's almost hip-hop music is almost one of the best things that's ever happened to race relations because it doesn't matter who you are as long as you love hip-hop you get it and everybody just goes and everybody gets it you know and and everything so i don't think it fizzles i just think it's different like the west coast might have a vibe different than toronto compared to what the east coast has but it's all still hip-hop and it's uh, and it's there and it and it's great to see it's great to see that let me ask you this. Hip-hop culture in general right now is at its prime, man. Like, the thickness of it, it's it's everywhere. There's tons of brands. There's tons of money rolling around with the hip-hop culture. If you take, you know, The Breakfast Club and Charlemagne the God and all those guys over there, do you feel that black folks are, are benefiting from their own culture? Do you think we have to do a better job of that? Meaning... You see all these dollars going around. Do you feel like we're in the mix of that to the degree that we should? We talk a lot about finances on the show, too, because I think financial literacy is something that's extremely important. There, there was a, an article or a study out of the States, and what was amazing was if you go into some of the most, you know, kind of ghetto, poor neighborhoods in the U.S., you'll see a lot of shop owners are East Indian, Asian owned. When you look at different communities, so let's say you take black community, you take the Asian community, East Indian community. If, if I spend a dollar, how many days does the dollar take to get out of our own community? In a Chinese community, it was 30 days. Indian was roughly 30 days. In the black community, it was roughly one hour. Meaning, mm-hmm. if I spend a dollar, it was out of our community within an hour. If, if you yeah. and, and you know about money, too. That's not a good thing. You want that money keep circulating around because it only builds up it grows etc etc what are your thoughts on that I, I i like your thoughts because you you've been around so long and you've seen so many different things and got to meet so many different people travel in so many different ways you know and and kind of i don't know what do i say you you, you love hip-hop when hip-hop wasn't cool at the same time you know what i mean like you're a purebred yeah. like this is me man i don't care if it's mainstream or not i love it 
So from your perspective, I feel like I'm getting an authentic perspective, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. And then what I think a lot of times what happens is um, sometimes I think it's a lot of mentality. It's like, mm. um, you know, like it needs to be me and it can't be somebody else because I need my shine or something like that. And that unfortunately is what happens a lot within the black community and what people need to kind of understand with it is there's room for everybody yes. if you go and support everybody and it's like one of those things like um you know a lot of collaborations remember back in the day it was crazy to see michael jackson and paul mccartney to do say 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 and and all those songs together it was like wow and then you saw tina turner and brian adams and doing all these other songs and whatever now you're seeing the collaboration like where you'll see like you know jay-z and rick ross or you know mm -hmm. fat joe and big piner and stuff like that that is where everybody's head needs to be at because mm -hmm. people love the music and love it and it'll be like if you have i'm a huge fan of curry goat and rice and peas if there is a place right across the street that does it i'm going there all the time and i'll go and support it and everything like that. And that's what I think the mentality that needs to go is that it doesn't just need to be you because that place or that person um, can help boost you up. So not everybody's a rapper. Somebody might just be smart enough to actually manage the rapper. So you don't have to be the rapper. You can actually help him succeed because you have the mind frame to go and say, okay, I see your talent and this is where we need to go and push it. And that's how I, in my opinion, that's where I think everything should reach out and build because there's there. And if we don't do it for ourselves or in, in, in our community, well, then that's when you have people like little Richard getting jacked by Elvis Presley. And then you get, and then you, get you know, the Jackson five and all of a sudden then you got, um, what were those guys called that they did, uh, the, the brothers, the, the Osbournes, or not the Osbournes. Um, the, what was those guys? No, 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 no. Uh, I know, you, I know what you're talking about. It's off my head. I know, I know what you're talking about, though. Yeah, but you see, because then somebody else comes in and takes that situation, and then yeah. we don't, and uh, and nobody goes and seizes it and helps other people go and do it. So, in my opinion, it's just a matter of like, just network, go and do it. Mm. Now you have like now everybody is growing up like. To where like it's not like before where it'd be like you're a rocker or you're uh into depeche mode or you're just into reggae or you're into it. everybody's into everybody you have little nas x doing songs with uh miley cyrus's dad you had nelly my, do a my, song with Tim my McGraw. man you're in my wheel well now i own a marketing agency that's what i do for a living so a, a starving artist isn't starving because their art isn't good it's because nobody knows about it and this is what exactly. we call marketing right and mm -hmm. you know even you, what you said earlier in the interview about you know really stretching yourself out there this is now what we call personal branding i mean you know you can charge a certain amount for a gig depending on your brand if you build up that brand and your brand has more equity in it you can you can garner a bigger fee in return because Everything now, and, 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 and if anybody says any different right now, social media is where it's at, man. I mean, you're, you're talking, you got kids, you got artists out there that aren't good, that are doing well, 
because they can yeah. market and brand themselves so damn well, right? Yeah. Whereas yeah. you have a lot of guys that or, and girls that are killing it in their craft. But when I come across a, a creative or, or, or an artist, for me, it's funny because growing up, I didn't really consider myself creative in the sense I, I come from a football background. So I was, a, I was an athlete, all that stuff. But then I realized, man, I, you know, I'm actually quite a creative person. I love business. Business is my wheelhouse. So when I meet anybody, I always tell them, man, make sure you get it in front of your own narrative. Shaw Claire's story does not need to be told by a million other people. He needs to tell his story through the blessing of Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You have all these powerful engines. And even I went and I did a digital deep dive on you, man. I watched I watched any interview that was out there on you. I I, 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 I watched it. I was shocked, though, because I'm like, I can tell you're somewhat of a private person because you you have to dig for you. You you know, and I watch how some of the other people have interviewed you and whatnot. You know, even Let's Ride. I was so shocked to hear you say in a interview, you're like, I sat on that song for a couple years. I think you produced it in 95 or 96, but you really didn't push it out was it something like that you sat on that for a few years yeah it was actually it was cardinal he um because me cardi julie all of us we all kind of came up together back then mm. and we would always listen to each other's beats we'd go into each other's studio sessions it was just what we always did all the time all the time and i forget where i was but i do remember that i remember he gave me a cassette for anybody out there that doesn't remember what those things are uh he gave me a cassette <laughs> player a cassette and put it in and we were listening to beats and then I remember I said I like he played the let's ride beat and I was like I like this beat and I remember what he was telling me he was like it's kind of fast he used to he always calls me latte for chocolate so you'd be like it's kind of fast latte. it's kind of fast and I was like yeah man no I could rock this and then he's like all right and then socks was sitting in the car with me and he goes to Socks. He's like, okay, yeah, make sure that you go to the studio with him, which we always did anyways. Go to the studio with him to make sure he doesn't get somebody to voice over on the track and say that it was him. <laughs> so that's why, <laughs> that's why Socrates is at the beginning of the song. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. And yeah, and I had that song in 1997. And... Um, when I was doing whatever, when people started looking at me about the music that I was putting out, I just put out uh, What It Takes in just a second, and I was putting out all these other artists' music and everything, and this was right around the time when I got called at work. Like, you know, people call your cell phone now. They actually had to call my job <laughs> yeah. and, and call me and told me about the Northern Touch track. That's when I started getting some attention, whatever, and I remember his name is Russ Herger. He was at Virgin Records. Uh, he was my he was pretty much my A&R that actually got me on the label. So I'm, I have a lot of love for Russ. And uh, he said, I don't care whatever you're going to do. Do not put that song out until I get your deal done. Ooh. He's like, just keep it. Just keep it because he believed in it. He was like, just keep it. Keep it. Do. So that's why Flagrant came out. Bear Witness with Guru mm. came out. Conversations came out. All these other different songs came out. Because Russ was just like, just wait, just believe me, believe me. Once I can go and get this budget together and get you on this label, then we do it. And then two years later, uh, 90, it was June 28th, 1998. I signed with Virgin. And then in September of 99, I shot the video. Little mm. X did. And then it came out and it went from there. It's still, like, that song, I mean, I, like, I was listening to it all morning, man. I mean, I still listen to this song. It, it's, t 
timeless, man. Like it's even if you hear the words, it's like you were talking now. Like it's, it, you know, I you're you're in the you're in the video too, and I'm like, oh, he's in the Hummer, and I mean, when you really think of the scope of that, like you were balling in the video. You know what I mean? You got the Hummer that's going all, back. In, that's all you, little X. That's all little X. He was yeah. like. Hummer and dress you in a yellow suit and put you backwards on a motorcycle. And I was like, oh, you think that's going to work? He's like, just trust me. I was like, trust you, bro. <laughs> no. So being an introverted personality naturally, how and and what do you do to really craft your stage presence? I've looked at a lot of your performances live and stuff like that. And man, you've got a great stage perform. Like some people are artists. Some people are entertainers. You're both, man. Like you can get the crowd going. You got the lyrics on point, the beats on point. How do you? How did you come out of your introvertedness to get on the stage and, and rock a house, man? How does that come? Like, do you build that up? Does you just get in the zone? Well, one of the things, like, uh, I used to work at uh, the CNE Grandstand where the Blue Jays used to play before they moved to the Rod. Well, it's the Sky Dome to me, but the Rogers Center, yeah, I guess yeah. now. Sky Dome, um, yes. So. I was the guy that would run the hot dogs from the kitchen to the concession stands. And I would go there and I would see a lot of concerts. And I remember, like, I remember one time Garth Brooks was coming there. And, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, this guy is just gonna strum his guitar and sit there and, you know, and not have any movement, no pyros, no explosion. Like, this was in my head at the time. Mm. And then I'm going, and whenever I got a chance to peek my head out to go and see while the show was going, he's climbing up the side of the stage, he's doing <laughs> cartwheels, he's over here, he's over there, he's running and whatever and running. And I was like, I, okay, I'm, uh, you know, I know a couple of Garth Brooks songs. I'm not the biggest fan, but I like a couple songs. And I was like, this is pretty entertaining. Like, mm. I could watch this. Mm. And then I always went and said, if someone's going to go and buy a ticket to come and see you, they don't want to see you sit down on a bar stool and sit there and strum your guitar for an hour and a half. They want to be entertained. Mm. And I would have the pleasure, I had the pleasure of watching all these big hair rock bands like Kiss and all these guys when they would sell out the whole uh, the whole stadium and everything and watch them and I would be like this is entertaining this is what I would like to see and if I was to go and see somebody I remember who played that I was really excited to see I, there was a huge band but uh, and I was like yeah this is really really good and I always just kept it in my head it's like somebody's paid to see you so entertain them when they see you mm. And then that's where you need to go and break out of your shell. And that's the thing is some people will talk to me. And one of the things I always say is like, yeah, you know, I'm just, they'll see me when I'm just sitting down over here, sitting there chilling, whatever, just whatever. And then they'll be like, when you step on stage, you turn into somebody else. I'm like, yeah, that's when I come out the phone booth. <laughs> and mm, then I just oh. turn into something, whatever, because like we were talking earlier, that's when everything I'm able to express myself, be the way that I want to be go and perform because I love music and go and sit there and shine. And if somebody doesn't know me, like my music or know me at that point, I'm going to make them walk away and say, yeah, I saw this guy shot clear. He's, he's pretty good. Ooh. You know, the biggest fear in life for anybody, in my opinion, is, is the fear of not being remembered. You know what I mean? Like I always say when I do a keynote speech, I want 50% of the audience to absolutely hate me. And I want the other 50% to love me. But the one thing I don't want is for them to be like, I don't remember that guy. Don't even know who that was. 
I need to evoke yeah. emotion in the, in this person, right? You know, that's mm-hmm. crazy to me. How do you so how do you how do you Well, you know what it is? You know what it is? You know what it's like? It's like this um I'm a huge wrestling head. And <laughs> I know a few Yeah, I watch wrestling as much as I can get. I have the WWE network and everything like that. So I'm just like that. But one of uh I when I met a bunch of wrestlers and the one thing that they told me and it goes right to your point there. They said, if you're a good guy, you want to be cheered. If you're a bad guy, you want them to boo you like there's no tomorrow. What you don't want is no response because that means they don't care. Mm. So if if you walk down and you're the heel wrestler and they boo and throw popcorn at you, that from you being a bad guy, that's the response that you want. If you're a good guy and they cheer and they want to go and hug you and they think you're as great as Bret Hart, that's the response for being a good guy. But if you just walk down to the ring and everybody is like looking in their cell phone and wondering what time it is, how late it's going to be, that's the response that you don't want. So that's where that's where I kind of go and get it. It's like, okay, you're going to remember me at the end. And I, I say it in a couple of songs. I'll be like, you're going to remember the name Shaq Claire. You're going at some point. Whether you like me or hate me, you cannot say I don't know who this guy is. I don't. I don't give a shit, man. I like it. I, lo- I love it. I, w- I want to kill it. No, I mean, you know, even when I did this podcast, I started this podcast. I said, man, you know, me podcaster out there. If I come on here being vanilla, you think any? Nobody wants to hear vanilla. People want real talk. Our whole slogan is curiosity is our mandate. So with all, we've had amazing guests on, and I mean, we we dig deep into that. There's been swearing. There's cussing. There's all. Sometimes a guest, they can tell they're like, oh wait, did I just say that? I'm like, yes, you did, and I like it. You know, because I'm like, no. <laughs> Oh, man we're not we're not here to have a sleep fest we're here to talk about life we're here people that listen to the show they're trying to get a couple nuggets whether it's personally or professionally that they can you know translate into their own life and i'm extremely passionate about people i think a lot of our society walks around dead man they walk around like damn zombies i mean just go down mm-hmm. on young street and walk by people you know and look at their expression on their face you know i'm a there's one book and if you, if you ever read a book read a book called the laws of human nature by robert green it talks about why the hell we do things as a person you're a lyricist and a rapper man i mean your whole life you built your whole living off of understanding people you have to understand and think about people you talk about garth brooks you talk about the way he performs you talk about the wrestlers oh, you and I'm, 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 oh that's okay oh that's okay and i'm sure you've talked about you know when you write songs would it be fair to say that you bring your creativity or your inspiration from everything around like i was saying when you are transforming out of the booth per se as in your own words how do you ride that line how do you how do you keep you know the shot claire from the kareem or do you like having both of them intertwined or do you purposely kind of create a separation so that when you do go into shot claire mode you're kind of all in or how do you base that um i don't know i'd never really even think about it because uh when I'm on stage is one thing, you know, you get the energy or whatever. But like a lot of people, like the only people that I ever really hear even say Kareem is like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and a lot of times if I hear Kareem um, or my brothers or something like that. But if I hear Kareem, if I don't recognize the tone, I don't think they're speaking to me oh, because everybody calls me shocks and shock Claire or whatever. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I'm just more... I'm just more comfortable 
being just laid back in the cut or whatever. Um, then when I'm on stage, I'm on stage doing what I'm doing, whatever. But I, I never really watch off because it's just always me. You're always just going to get me, whatever. Like the, some of the words that I say, the, 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 my friend, what do they call them? Uh, like shocks grammar because I, I speak metaphorically a lot and yeah. compare something to something that nobody would think about. It's just, that's just who I am. So I never really have to switch on and switch off. I'm just the same. It's just the only difference is when I'm on stage, then I'm performing. And when I'm not on stage, then I'm the same guy that I would be in the studio, that I would be in No Frills, that I would be in Loblaws. Blahs. I'd be the exact same guy. Mm. Do you think with Canadian hip hop, do you guys, you know, especially with, you know, you got Cardinal, you got you got Ghetto Concept, Little Rascals. What Whatever happened to Ghetto Concept? Are they still around? Uh, They are, but I know like some of them, I think Quadro is out in LA right now and whichever. I know they they dropped something uh, not too long ago, um, but I think that uh, they're helping other artists, what we were talking about uh, uh, before as well. They're bringing up other artists and they're just kind of doing separate things, but it would be great to see them come back again because... uh, yeah, they they were they were part of me growing up. They were around way before I was, and uh, you know, and they they have history. They have uh, awards and accolades and everything, and help build a platform that I was able to go and stand on to go and help build a platform where newer artists are able to step <clears throat> are able to stand on as well. So, what do you, what do you see yourself now in the next few years? What is what is kind of the goal for for you going forward? I mean. Drake and, and the Canadian music scene. What is your what is your opinion of that? Do you think you guys really played an incremental part in kind of getting that so that you do get you know kind of you know worldwide names like Drake coming out? Which it's so funny talking about Drake because I I can't help but think about the Degrassi high. <laughs> There's a, you know it's just always always in my mind, right? What what is your thoughts yeah. on that whole situation? Because even for me, I'm just like, wow, like we're like interesting, right? And and I and I and I do give you guys a lot of credit for that because I think you guys have been pushing the whole Canadian anthem, man, for decades, literally decades. And anybody who is clubbing between the ages of 19, uh, sorry, uh, the year of 1995 and up, owes you guys so much love and respect. I mean, we had these two bars in Edmonton called, uh, I don't even know, it was like Mega Mix. I mean, this is like. I was getting in the club like with a fake ID kind of thing at this time. I'm like, I remember, you, you, I remember, right? So, what, what's your opinion, kind of, on the new Canadian landscape with the whole Drake and everything mixed in? I, I think it's good, you know. Like it's, um, you know, I think it's good, and anything that's going to promote, um, you know, like the culture, the music scene, and everything like that, um, I think it's great. And if it wasn't for people like Mishimi and Maestro and Thrust and Rumble and Strong and Dream Warriors and Kish and all these other guys, you know, they they made it easier for me to get through the door. And if I did something with coming out with Ice Cold and Cardi came out with his record and Julie Black and everybody else, there's a whole bunch of other artists as well made it easier for the drakes and the tory lanes and the other artists that are coming up now well then that's good and then they're going to make it easier for the other people so it's more or less just always kind of finding out and remembering the history of whichever like you know like i was just watching something on the tv the other day and they were talking about bb king and how 
Eric Clapton and all these other people were talking about how great of a guitar player B.B. King was that inspired them to be as great because people will say like Eric Clapton and Van Halen, they're all really great guitar players. But they're saying, no, it was B.B. King that put me on to like being able to play the guitar. So, you know, and it's the same thing. It's like when I go and I look at people like Maestro and Michi and everybody, I'm like, I went. That was one of my very first concerts I ever went. I saw Stevie B and Maestro Fresh West at Canada's Wonderland. Mm. And I was like, this is this is good. So it's just like the progression and everything. And it's just a matter of being able to go. And one thing that I think that we should be doing more is making people recognize the history. So that way it's not like there's only this guy now. And it's like, no, there was people before that. There was people before me and there was people before Stro, And there was a whole scene of these guys doing whatever. The people went and would do stuff saying to themselves, you know, like I'm just breaking my back trying to do this to go and, you know, go in and boost up the culture. And they broke their back to make it easier for people to be able to do it now, especially mm -hmm. coming from Canada, and especially with the hip hop music. So that is a good thing. And it's just a matter of like they, they should do more to go and talk to people about the history and say like, OK, yeah, Drake is great. Like, he's awesome. He's doing really well. But remember who, you know, there was a Carter now. There was mm -hmm. a Socrates, mm -hmm. a Chaos, mm -hmm. Rascals. There was a Frank. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there was all these guys that made it easier for Drake to do what he's doing now. Um, and, you know, and, and they should be respected on, at that platform as well. Do you think you do a good job of educating people on, on the history of it from your, your own perspective in terms of, uh, like, social media-wise? I, I look at your social media and you seem like somebody who is, you even alluded to it earlier in the interview, and you said, you know, I'm not somebody that wants to go and make a huge fuss you know unless a huge fuss needs to be you know created do you feel like you're all in with social media and kind of telling your story or is it something that you feel is not quite natural or it's something you're learning or it's something that you're kind of on the fence about because i know you did mention you know i like to keep certain things personal and then others you know more public so what is your kind of intertwined you know ness with social media um I'm getting better at it. I know that that is where everything is and that's where a lot of people get a lot of their information. So I'm trying to be better at doing it. Um, when I do like interviews like this one or when I even just end up talking to people, I always try not, not because not like, it's almost not a conscious, it's not like, uh, it's not like a conscious decision, but because just where everything is, I'm, my head is already there and I will try to go and show the history of this and that and whichever. So it's just natural because as we start mm -hmm. talking, then, you know, like I'm like this music and that music, people will be surprised at my music selection. Like every time they'll always be like, don't give Shox the ox chord because if he starts playing his songs, you never know what you're going to hear. <laughs> and then, and that's, <laughs> You know, but uh, yeah, but like I just like we start talking music and then I go and do it. But I'm getting better at the social media stuff. Um, but anybody that just sits down and talks to me or whatever, they'll know where where my head's at with the music. And 
as far as putting stuff on social media, yeah, I just try to go and keep things creative and let people know what I'm up to and just whatever I'm doing and sometimes throwing them back to go and be like, oh, you might have forgot about this song because sometimes I'll post a video and they'll be like, oh, that was the name of the song. I forgot what it was, but I remember hearing that song over and over and over again. And so I just try to keep refreshing people's memory with stuff like that. You are a legend, man. And I'm going to say this out of complete respect. I want your social media. It needs to be 10 times more. You, dude, you have so much to talk about, to say. First of all, you have so many fans that would support you. And I and I look at your social media. I'm like, this is the Jamaican guy that's eating the curried goat, rice and peas and chilling with the Kool-Aid a little too much. You got to push it because I'm like. You're amazing. Like you, you are the soundtrack for a lot of, uh, well, you know, younger slash older Canadian people's lives now. And I think that your message has to be put out even more. I will personally help you, man. I mean, I, I love what you do. And I, uh, your Instagram, for example, like I was looking at, it, I'm like, it's good, but I'm like, you gotta make that fire. Like, there's so many, just a couple small things if you tweak, dude, followers, because. The more you get out there, it, it, it benefits everybody, even those around you. Like if you look at Maestro and kind of what he's doing, you know, Cardinal, I, I see that they're trying to market themselves and kind of brand themselves and stuff like that. I just think your story should be told like to more people is what I'm trying to get at. And I think that maybe you do know this and you don't want to do it. But if you don't know this, these platforms that you're on are powerful, man. And people mm-hmm. are dying to know your story. Like, I posted on my own Instagram, people are like, oh, my God, let's ride, Ryan, man, I remember back in night. Like, I'm not even you, and they're, they're, we're reminiscing. Everybody's reminiscing over here, right? Because yeah. <laughs> it's such a big thing. So please push it out. Uh, I'm going to give you my number after. You can, I- I'll help you, man, free of charge, man. I love what you're doing. So I got, you know, nothing but love for you, man. Thanks, man. And you know what? One of the things um, that is actually is happening um and i just got it today is i secretly was recording with classified over the summer so me and classified have a record coming out together we shot the video and it's looking like november 12th so once that starts going that's when it's but yeah i just looked at the video just this morning and it's absolute fire and the song is fire fire. eh? so yeah so it's called hurt um, hurt everybody that don't like me. That's the name of the song. Um, and uh, it's fire. And that's the next thing. And that's exactly what I wanted to. I didn't really, I didn't actually plan it, but that's where the push is going to be coming from that because like classified, his very first show was opening for me in mm. at the marquee in Halifax. And then last year, me and him and Maestro went on the Canadian classic tour. We did that. And whichever, we called it three generations of hip hop because I grew up on my store and class grew up on me. And it was all like all of this stuff. And just from that happening, we went and now we have this new project with me and Classified and the records are coming and everything is just about to drop. And it's going to be absolutely insane when when people hear it. It's really, really good. Man, I, lo- I love that. Uh, I'm, just as we're wrapping it up, I do want to ask you one question with with... With all this online bullying and Me Too campaigns and social movements and stuff like that, you alluded to the fact that when you were, you know, growing up, you found an outlet to, to really push your passions out in music and stuff like that. Um, what would you say to 
kids that are younger, junior high, high school coming up, um, you know, that are really struggling, man, with with mental health, with um, just finding a purpose for, you know, I always say most people who have done really interesting things in the world are quote unquote weird. You know, like I'm a weird guy. I've thought about things weird my whole life. But I embrace that, you know, and that's what makes you Shaw Claire. It's what makes me me. It's our individuality. So people who are struggling to find that, what would be some words of wisdom you could you could uh, bestow upon them? The main thing that I tell a lot of people is I always just say, all you got to do is just, it sounds easier to say it than do it sometimes. It's just be who you are because not everybody is 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 an athlete or a musician mm. or an artist of some sort but there you always need accountants and bankers and lawyers and this one so if that's what you know that's what you like then don't be afraid to pursue those things and real people like i have friends that do tons of different stuff that i don't even know like i have a friend she can build she can build like a wall unit out, out of straw. And I find <laughs> that, and I find that cool because I have another friend that could do math like this in his head. Like you tell him what's, you know, the square root of pi plus a couple of brackets here and something like that. And he'll give you the answer. That's cool to me. Mm. I can't do it. You know what I mean? Like I can't, I, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out this phone that I just got. <laughs> like, you know, um, <laughs> So, like, for me, it's like I just always tell people just be who you are because people will respect and, and like you for it. And especially coming out of, like, let's say for people in, like, high school and whatever, you'll never imagine, like, the people that you think that were maybe clowning you in high school because you were this quote unquote nerd or weird. You know who they're going to need? That nerd and that weird guy when they get into their 20s and 30s and whatever because that nerd and that weird guy is probably going to know something that they don't. And that's going to be it. That same car junkie that goes and is always underneath his hood because he loves cars. Well, when somebody's car breaks down, hey, remember Joe from back in high school? Yeah, he's always working on cars. Guess what? Now you want to reach out to him. You know, you want to do your taxes. Now you got to reach out to him. So that's what I would just say is just for everybody... Yeah, it's not easy. Nothing is ever easy, you know, and nothing worth anything is really that easy. But you just got to be who you are and just be who you are. And real people will respect you for who you are. And as soon as you have to change yourself to be somebody else, then you lost yourself in the first place. Mm. Last but not least, health is wealth. How do you look the same in 2019 as you did in 1999? I know people say black don't crack, but that's just such a such a not a disservice. What do you work out? Do you not drink? What's your regiments that you try to keep? With, I mean, you look great, man. How, how? What is your? Give us some of your secret sauce on looking so damn good and refined. The only thing that I can say is I walk a lot. Um. I get it from my mama and <laughs> and I don't know. I just try, I try not to stress about things too much. Although that's always not, you know, something's going to bother you at some point or whatever, but just try and stay positive And then you don't look like you're worried all the time. You know, some people always have this look on their face, like something mm. is smelling bad. Mm, and yes, you're just like, what's yes. wrong with his face? <laughs> yeah. And I just, 
I just try to go and just, you know, uh, just, just what it, I think it was Jamie Foxx in a stand-up comedy. He says, just blow that shit out. Just whatever. Don't let it mm. overcome you. Don't focus on the problem so much as thinking about the solution. Mm. All right, man. I love this. Um, Shaw Claire, man. Do you freestyle at all? Uh, uh, I do, but uh, that's when I'm writing my music. Yeah. <laughs> you, man. Um, let's ride. Uh, can we end off with that song? Can you give me uh, one or two lines from that song that everybody, when they listen to it, should really, really emphasize on? What were two, a verse or two just from it that you're like, I remember writing that verse. Like it, it was touching for me. Like, can you give me one? Just one verse. Well, it's the knocker. The chiz rocks a party while I'm wine drinking. My rounds are bustle whole way through your thinker. Forget your strategies when you battle. It's international record sales. People try, but they fail. It's the chisel or the shockos. Ram a streak like a block over the shots ring out. People never seen or heard. We ran through your HQs like some pachyderms. People swerve from the game up. Suave player. I'm all black like the Raiders. You wonder how I did it. Album anticipated. It's the ninth inning. With two outs. I hit a home run to left field like hard did the feeling do they understand me nah really no tactics can stop my theatrics from making ladies backflip understand it's all about the sexual he in your set like it's tropical stop it my uvs are burn your skin singe your optics 21 years was groundwork people hear me coming so haters got mad work but understand it's all about the swab diggy dog let's ride oh man everybody give it give him a big round of applause uh, how can people reach out to you? Projects you got going on? How can everybody support you, man? Plug away. Okay, so come to my Facebook page, which is Shaw Claire Official on Facebook. My Twitter is just at Shaw Claire, and my Instagram is Shaw Claire Official. My YouTube is Shaw Claire Official. So anything official, it's with Shaw Claire in it. And that's how you can reach out to me. If you see me walking around, when you see Shaw Claire, say, What up, Chisnock? That's it. Oh, I love it. And everyone, thank you so much for listening to the show. Again, I'll put all of Shock Claire's information in the show notes. Again, please leave a review on iTunes. We always appreciate everything. The feedback has been great. And always remember, curiosity should always be your mandate. My man, I appreciate you. Thank you so much. Oh, this was great. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And for anybody that's uh, in Toronto, uh, whichever, I'm actually going to be doing the Toronto Raptors halftime show this evening. So come and say hi when you see me at the Raptor game tonight. I'll be there. Ooh, that's that's fire, man. I like that. Good for you, man. Uh, I will let you know when everything is up, man. Uh, much uh, give, give Natasha much love from us. That was really nice of her to facilitate all this. 